joy because you're drawing us closer to yourself. Uh, bless Pastor Paul as he brings us this message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Amen. Thank you, Mike, and good morning once again, church. Hey, just a word for those of you who have been attending our church for a while but are interested in exploring membership with us. We do have a Discover Loudonville Community Church class that will be held this coming Tuesday night from 6 to 8 o'clock. And you can access our church app through the QR code in that card in front of you and register that way or simply call the church office tomorrow. We'd love to have you join us this coming Tuesday night at 6 o'clock. We are bookending this summer with a four-part series that we're calling Renewing Habits. So last week, Pastor Mike launched this brief series with us by talking with us about renewed speech. This morning, I want to spend a few moments talking about renewed resting. And then next Sunday, we're going to begin a seven-part series through the letters of Revelation. Those seven messages that Jesus sent to the churches there. It's a series we're calling When Jesus Comes to Church. And then at the end of August and the first Sunday of September, as we close out our 10 a.m. season of the summer, we'll return to two more habits. And so again, book ending this summer with this series. But I want to begin this morning with, I think, a reasonable assumption. And my assumption is that we're tired, bone-weary tired. It's been a long year, and after months of uncertainty and shuffling of schedules and alterations and work patterns and the absence of a normal routine and not a little frustration in the midst of all of that, we are drained. We are tired mentally, physically, emotionally, and psychologically. Now, there are, there are some of us who, when the lockdown began, pulled our family closer and sailed through the pandemic with zest and energy. And if that's you, we hate you. <laughs> and of course, I'm teasing, but that's not the case for many of us. During the pandemic, millions of people worked longer hours under strict conditions. ER doctors and teachers, nurses and counselors, IT experts, delivery drivers and parents have all toiled harder than ever before. And those of us who are dependent upon your ceaseless efforts, we express our gratitude to you. But if you've asked yourself recently, when am I going to get a break? Our conversation this morning is for you. After weeks and months of pounding pressure with kids at home and maybe disagreements with your colleagues and endless meal preparation, many of us have dreamed of an escape. It's time for a breather. And there's really nothing to be ashamed about that. God has made us to punctuate work with rest. The pandemic aside, our need for rest is, is necessary and normal. Rest is an essential part of life, and we neglect it to our own harm. It, it is as essential to life as food and air. You need to rest. And especially if you're the type of person who acts as if rest is what 
other people do. I don't know if the slide did appear, but that, did that slide of, of the chairs, that's Mirror Lake. You know where that is. I mean, does that entice you or not? I think those two chairs need to be occupied by someone. And if that's where you are and that's what you're longing for this morning, that's what we want to spend a few moments talking about. Now, I know again, there may be some, a type of person who acts as if rest is what other people do. Some old wag once said, I'll rest when I'm dead. Well, that day may come sooner than you expect it. Because God designed us to rest before we die. Or at least before we crash. On Mount Sinai, God encouraged the people of Israel with his law. And he engraved in stone ten words or ten commandments so that the people of Israel were to follow these commandments and thereby show to the nations what it likes to be the redeemed people of God. He has brought them out of Egypt. He took them through the Red Sea. He has redeemed his people. Now the question is, how are they to live? And at Mount Sinai, God made that very clear. The first three commandments within the Ten Commandments are marked by, by from some very stark prohibitions. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Commandment number three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't, don't, don't. And then we come to the fourth commandment. And that pattern is broken. As God calls his people to remember something, to remember to rest, that's the first point that I want to sort of burn in your hearts and in your minds this morning. Remember to rest. Rest is an act of remembrance. So here we come to the Ten Commandments. We come to the Fourth Commandment. It's found for us in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. The words will appear on the screen. But listen to what God says. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a day of Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Why? Why? Verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Among the Ten Commandments, the fourth commandment has the distinction of being the longest. God uses 102 words here to establish a cathedral to rest. It was also one of the most unique pieces of legislation in the ancient world, entitling everyone, even one's own domestic animals, the privilege of rest. This invitation to rest one's weary body and one's weary soul is unheard of among the many religions of the world at that time. The gods of the old world demanded nonstop action in order to be appeased, the people had to work all the time to please their gods. 
the God of Israel, the God of all the earth. He is a very different God. And he uses a lot of words in this case to call us to remember. And this act of remembrance is more than just a mental exercise. It's, it's like the importance of remembering your anniversary. You never want to forget that day, right, husbands? Don't forget it. And God is saying in the very same way in regards to the Sabbath, remember this day. Set it apart. Treat it as a holy day. It is a commandment unlike any other commandment because it recognizes time itself, the time of this day to be holy. As I talk about the Sabbath this morning, I'm going to treat it as both a day as well as an orientation, an attitude. Because Sabbath rest is an orientation of the heart and mind. Mark Buchanan has said that Sabbath keeping is a form of mending. It's like mortar in the joints. So we must honor the Sabbath or we will harm ourselves by avoiding it. The most significant thing to notice, though, about this fourth commandment is why God carved it in stone. And we noted that in verse 11 when we read through the text, because the principle of rest that is espoused here by God's own voice and command is as old as time itself, for it takes us all the way back to the week of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, after God has created all of the world, we read, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. That is quite a statement. We're so familiar with it, but it is revolutionary. Here, he is stating that the almighty sovereign God took a day off. On the seventh day, he celebrated a divine Sabbath, not because he needed a nap. God did not rest because making things exhausted him. The word that is used here in Genesis chapter 2 is, is the Hebrew word Shabbat, from which we get our word Sabbath. It means to desist, to stop, to cease. God stopped from his act of making and creating and producing. He created tigers and tulips, robins and rivers, vultures and valleys, male and female human beings, the pinnacle of his creation. And then what does God do? He steps back, he reflects over all that he has made, and then he rested. At the end of the creative week, God says, that is very good, and stop. You might want to write this down, even if you don't tend to take notes. This is worth remembering. Because if your motor runs fast, if it's hard for you to idle, remember this, that since God rested, rest is innately good. Rest is innately good. It's, it's not a virtue that we tend to admire I mean, we don't hand out awards to those who rest well. 
But since God is a perfect God and he rested, then rest itself is innately good and it is right for us. It is healthy for us. It is best for us. In the fourth commandment, God gave us one day out of seven to rest. And so we are to rest as he did. It is an act of imitation. We rest because we are image bearers of the living God. We rest as a form of divine imitation, but unlike God, we rest because... We need to. To be tired is to be human. To be human is to get weary. And we need rest. Our minds need rest. Sleep experts tell us that we rest in order to process information. Our brains go into cognitive overload, and we can't synthesize all of the information that we're taking in. And so our minds need rest. And we all exhibit, I think, those very obvious signs of weariness and anxiety, disorientation, sometimes that information overload. If, if this past year we have spent home, our, most of our time at home, and we've been watching news and surfing the internet, and we have just taken all of this information in, it has exhausted us. And I know for my own sake, my, my mind needs rest when I struggle with names, remembering appointments, even remembering what day of the week it is, right? That was a challenge for us at times. We struggle with impatience and anger. We dump our tensions on our families. My wife reminds me that when I am, when I am beat tired and yet have a mandated meeting to attend, I should speak as little as needed. Sometimes when we're tired, What we want to say isn't always what we say. Eugene Peterson reminds us, while we sleep great and marvelous things are in process, the proteins repairing our muscles, our dreaming brains restoring a deeper sanity beneath the gossip and the scheming of our waking hours. Our minds need rest. Our bodies need sleep. Sabbath rest is more than sleep. But a restful sleep after a time of of toil is a gift of God. Psalm 127 says, It is vain that you rise up early and go go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a medical doctor before he became one of the great expositors of the 20th century, would often ask people who would come to him for counsel about various spiritual issues if they were getting enough sleep. Doesn't seem to be the most deep form of counsel, but he's on to something. He was on to a simple truth that we do better when we rest, and we need to rest, hear me, before we get tired. That's why God ordained one day out of seven for rest. Our bodies need rest, just like our minds do. Our physical frames experience stress-induced disorders. If we run every day or if we lift weights every day, we know that we may tear muscle tissue beyond repair, and so our bodies, our physical frames need to be rested in order to go through a period of recovery. Simply sitting at a desk or maybe staring at a computer is far more taxing than many of us realize, and we need to give our bodies a break. Athletic trainers tell us that in order for peak elite athletes to perform well, they need to give their bodies time to recover. I saw an interview recently with Katie Ledecky, 
who is that great U.S. Olympic swimmer who's going to be swimming next month in multiple events in Tokyo. And she talked about the need for allowing her body to go through these super periods of recovery in between swimming events. Our bodies need recovery time. Our minds need it. Our bodies need it. Our souls, our aching, weary souls need rest. Sabbath rest derives not just from a destination, escaping, going somewhere, but from communion with the all-knowing and loving God who can replenish our souls. Is your soul tired? Are you practicing soul care, soul keeping? Prayer and worship should be everyday habits, but they are absolutely critical for an observance of Sabbath rest, reading Scripture and listening to God. Really, the call of the Sabbath is the call to be still, the word Shabbat. Be still and know that I am God. My soul needs that. Your soul needs that. And as you strive through a work week and and seek then in the midst of it all to drink deeply of the living water of Jesus Christ, especially during times of rest, of Sabbath. Let his peace infuse you with moments and sustain you through the pressures. Again, our souls need this. God has, yes, granted us so many gifts to enjoy, especially in summertime from, from ice cream and watermelon to cabin getaways. But if we shoot for those blessings without setting our minds and our hearts on our creator, it will be like chasing after the wind. Our souls need rest. The point behind all of that is that, of course, God has created a cadence. He has created a rhythm to life, and we need to follow that rhythm. And for some of us, we need to work especially hard at resting. That's right. It sounds ironic, but we need to, to work hard at resting. And we have to discipline ourselves to unplug and unwind and get refreshed. God gave his law to the people of Israel. But he gave his law to the people of Israel, interestingly enough, on two separate occasions. The first time, as we have just seen, was there at Mount Sinai after their exodus from Egypt and Exodus 20. But the second time that God delivered his law to his people was 40 years later, just before they entered the promised land. And the second giving of the law, which is what The book of Deuteronomy literally means the second law. God expounds his law to them in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And if you compare Exodus 20 with Deuteronomy chapter 5, you will find a different reason for the Sabbath given in both places. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. God said, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. A little bit more of an expansion, but basically a replication of Exodus 20. But here is the reason in Deuteronomy in verse 15. 
Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. The second giving of the law took place at the end of the wilderness wanderings, and the reason here is different. God said you are to rest because you are not slaves anymore. They were called to rest in Exodus 20 as a form of of divine imitation. They are called to rest here in Deuteronomy chapter 5 as a call to freedom. In Egypt, the Israelites were controlled by their taskmasters who were constantly screaming in their ears, make more bricks, work harder, do more. So 18 hours a day, all they heard was you're not working hard enough. You and I have taskmasters too. Maybe it is literally someone who is screaming in your ear, you're not doing enough. Or maybe it's just that internal conversation that you have with yourself all the time, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to work harder. Here's the second thing I want you to consider this morning. Not only is rest an act of remembrance, it is also an act of of defiance. The concept of Sabbath rest is one of the greatest acts of resistance we can perform. When our heads usually hit the pillows, what do we think about? What did I do today? How much did I get done? But for one day out of seven, here's what God says. It's not about what you got done today. It's about what you didn't. That's Sabbath rest. Most days, our taskmasters are yelling at us, don't just sit there, do something. On the Sabbath day, God is saying to us, don't just do something, sit there, rest. Every Friday night through Saturday night for 3,000 years, observant Jews have practiced Sabbath. And throughout church history, Christians have interpreted this fourth commandment differently. And we're not going to talk about all those differences this morning. Some of you may be very, very aware of of them. But whatever your view about how to observe the Sabbath, one of the renewing habits we violate to our own demise is a violation of this rest. God has, again, prescribed for us regular rhythms of rest. It's a way of of recognizing or affirming that human beings have value even when we're not producing. We spend most of our lives working, and when we're not working, thinking about our work. Sabbath rest is this. It is a call to recognize that life is more than work. Work is honorable. God has assigned us good, creative work. He gave it to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He still gives it to us today. God cares deeply about what we do, but the cadence of life that God has put into you and me, the very rhythm he wants us to follow is this idea that we work before we rest. But some of us are in that camp that says, I don't rest, I do and I do all the time, and we'd rather produce than recline. And the emphasis in many of our hearts and minds is that there's always more that can be done, and we take pride in never taking a day off. 
Sabbath rest reorients our entire perspective. It reminds us that we are human, and by, by taking a break from work, we remember that we are not God. The Sabbath defies the idea that our identity is found in what we do. So the Sabbath rest, this call to renewing rest, is literally an act of resistance against any false notion that I have of my own self-sufficiency, of my indispensability. So to the stressed-out mom, uh, to the worn-out teacher, to the frayed volunteer, to the overextended and, de- and sleep-deprived store owner, the universe will not disintegrate if you take a break. Our work is really never done. Have you noticed that there's always another email to answer? Another sale to make, another lesson to prepare, another piece of furniture to build? A Sabbath rest is not the reward for getting all of your work done. Sabbath rest is the break you take in the middle of your work. You don't take a Sabbath rest because you deserve it. You take it because you need it. And on that day, whatever that day of Sabbath may be for you, and again, it's more of an orientation in many respects, an orientation than a legalistic thing that we follow, to be able to say there's nothing I need need to do today and nowhere I need to go so that I may rest. Now, that again may look differently for some of us. My Sabbath day really is on Fridays. And I've been observing a day off, whether it was Monday earlier in my ministry or Fridays for the last 20 years or so, usually every Friday. And it's been almost every Friday for 34 years. Lisa and I have lunch together somewhere. Even during the pandemic, that's our time to be together. So this past Friday, we both did lunch and we played some golf. I got her out onto the golf course. And it's just a delightful, restful time to be together, to get recharged. But it is a reminder that it's more than what we do. Life is more than our achievements. Life is more than our accomplishments. You are more than the number of classes you teach or the ditches you dig or the surgeries you perform or the meetings you attend. Achievement matters. But it is not everything. And when we fail to receive his gift of rest and keep it, you know what happens? We become irritable and short-tempered and short-fused. So I want to give you the permission this summer. And I don't even know if I really need to give you this this permission because we're all there, I think. But I want to give you the permission to rest. The need to practice Sabbath rest is not only a weekly reality as it was for the Israelites, but it also extended to seasons. As you read through uh, the Torah, the first five books of, of the Old Testament, you, you learn that Israel's cycles of Sabbath were not only limited to days, but sometimes to periods of times, to Sabbath years. And then there was that year of Jubilee where every 50th year there was this extraordinary rest that the people and even the land itself entered into. The summer of 2021, I think, is to be for us 
a Sabbath summer of rest. Consider what recharges you. Think about what quiets your spirit. Turn off all unnecessary noise. We've heard way too much this past year. Connect with people you haven't seen in a while. Take a canoe into the middle of the pond, and if you so choose, this would be my style. Pull out a book, and then just let the current carry you wherever. Pick up every once in a while. But just enjoy the rest. Bask in the abundance of God's goodness. Enjoy him. Enjoy one another. Enjoy his creation. So rest and play and worship. And it is not only about cessation from labor, but it is about the inner rest of the soul, how we need this. Rest is an act of remembrance. It's a form of divine imitation. God rested, we need to as well. Rest is an act of defiance. I refuse to allow my life to be defined by what I do, by my work. But I can't close this morning without also giving one final lesson about Sabbath rest. True rest is spiritual. Resting is more than sleeping or getting recharged. It's more than just about enjoying the world around you. And again, the full invitation is there for us to do so. God says that he's given us all things richly to enjoy. Uh, But rest is really about the ultimate rest. And ultimate rest is when we recline in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And Matthew chapter 11, a passage we referred to a couple of weeks ago in the midst of the fruit of the Spirit. When we talked about gentleness, Jesus said, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Too many of us, again, find our identity in our work or maybe being people pleasers or using busyness to distract us from the inner emptiness that we feel. And so much of our work is driven by a need to justify ourselves. Sabbath rest is a test. It's a test of where our ultimate trust lies. It's a test of who we actually are and why we're here and what life is all about. And at the heart of everything, behind all of our racing around, behind all of our striving, is this sometimes attempt to justify ourselves by performing well so that others will think well of us and maybe even God will think well of us. And Jesus comes to us and says, in the midst of all of your striving and all of your efforts and all of your ceaseless wrangling, come to me and find rest for your souls. When we are trying to justify ourselves, we are failing to rest in the reality that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, Jesus Christ has justified us already. And to be justified means to be declared righteous by God. 
And it is the verdict that comes to us as a result of what God has done for us in Christ through his death on the cross. He alone has made me right in the sight of God. But when I try to live under the impossible burden of justifying myself, guess what? There's never any rest. It's just the treadmill all the time. I've got to do more in order to please God. But then we hear Jesus say, okay, you can stop now. Desist. Cease. Rest. I can rest because Jesus Christ has made me right with God. And the deepest longing of my heart is for you to be able to say the very same thing. I know that Jesus Christ came and gave his life for me at the cross so I can cease striving and cease trying to achieve more and more and more so that God will be pleased with me because that hamster wheel is you can never do enough. But to be able to say Jesus has done it all, he is enough. The price has been paid. The work is finished. I can rest in Jesus because of what he has done for me. I have nothing left to prove even to myself. Jesus Christ paid it all. That's ultimate rest. Those in Christ have nothing left to prove or demonstrate. That's the gospel. And Jesus has rescued us from this need of restless striving now and forever. And so if you are here today and you place your hope in your own ability to control your life, you will be forever restless. Hell itself is going to be a place of endless work and constant activity and never any rest. But when you come to Jesus and you bring your weary soul to him, then you can sleep now, no matter what the next day may have in store for you, and you can rest well forever because he has given you rest. Psalm 116, verse 7 says, Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Rest well in Jesus this summer. Let's pray. And Father, right now I invite you into this moment where in the quiet of this moment there's a personal interaction that every one of us can have with you. Father, you alone know where each heart and mind and body is today. You know the anxious toil. You know the striving. You know the ceaselessness. You, you know the one who is thinking to himself or herself, there's never enough time to do all that I need to do. And I think of the mom of, of an infant. I I think of the medical student in residency and the pressures that are constantly there. Whatever realm and sphere of life we are in, Father, sometimes it feels as if it's just too much. 
And in some way, Father, into that space, you speak. And you call us to remember that at the dawn of creation, after you made the world, you rested. And may we imitate you in that way. May, Father, we live our lives in such a way that how we rest one day in seven or when we enter into those seasons where there is the extra need for rest, we are performing an act of defiance. We refuse to be defined by anything but the gospel of Jesus Christ, not even by what we do. And then, Father, we come to that place where we must, and that is just we come to Christ. And we ask him now to fill us where we're depleted, where we are drained and tired, where, Father, we feel in every fiber of our being just the need to be restored. Bring us to recovery in your Son. And thank you, Father, that above all, ultimate rest is found in the one who gave his life for us. And we can cease striving to try to please God, to try to please you, and know that Jesus has done everything necessary in order for us to rest now and for all eternity. We rest in the goodness of the Lord, and we thank you for that in Christ's name. And all God's people said, Hey, may I invite you to stand as Elizabeth and Austin close us out in worship today. A mighty fortress. 